Amen. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is quick. Your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word can pierce to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. Your word can, you know, just can create miracles. Your word can create something out of nothing. There is a creative power in the word. Your word provides light. Your word provides faith. Your word is, is a light unto our feet. We thank you. And we ask you will speak your word today. Speak in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. So we're going to wrap up our message series on faith. Uh, we've been doing this for like five weeks now. Uh, we've covered quite a bit. Amen. And we thank God for that. Uh, you know, we've been talking about rediscovering uh, the kingdom faith. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do a little summary, you know, just to be able to connect to where we're going. Today's message is kind of almost summarizing everything and put a little icing on the cake. Amen. Uh, so we've talked about faith, for what it is, which is believing. You know, faith is believing. The, the Greek word for faith is pistis, which means to trust, to be persuaded. Uh, and, and, I, and the reason why I'm doing that is because sometimes uh, our modern definition of faith can get us into trouble. Uh, we always see faith as a way to sometimes, you know, just uh, force God or manipulate God or, you know, to, to, to get what we want. Uh, and sometimes when we don't get what we want, we are disappointed. And we think, you know, somehow maybe God failed or my faith failed. Uh, but that's not the primary definition of faith. Where, where we need faith, obviously when we pray, when we ask God. Uh, but the primary definition of faith is really trusting God. Hallelujah. And trusting God that he has a plan for our life. Amen. And that he, first of all, he exists. He has a plan for our life. And he loves us. And his plan for us is the best. It is also knowing that God has the ability to fulfill that plan. Hallelujah. God's plan or God's desire and his ability, they are equally matched. Hallelujah. It's very important to, that because that, to know that and to be fully convinced of that as a believer as you go through life. So even if you get knocked down, you know, here and there, that you don't lose your faith because of that. You don't lose your faith because of, you know, temporary disappointment that you will have along the way because you know that you are connected with a God that knows how to work out everything together for his good. Praise the name of Jesus. We've also looked at the consideration of faith. Faith is primarily in our heart. Well, obviously, we must get our mind to agree with our heart. And I think that's where the hard job is. The hard job is how do I get my mind to agree with my heart, to agree with what God is putting in my heart. And we look at Romans chapter 4, verse 19. We learn from the example of Abraham. The Bible says he considered not his own body now dead. He did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
you know, he, he, he wasn't thinking about that. He, he refused to put his thought, his mind on those things. Instead, he put, his, he put his thought and mind on the promises of God, on the ability of God, and that is how he was able to weather through the storm. Hallelujah. Part three, we looked at the element of faith. And we look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, a very, very, very great verse that talks about, you know, that, that summarizes the life of the people of, you know, people of faith. The, you know, um, and some of those elements was ability to see, you know, to be assured, to embrace, and to confess. You know, all those things are key elements of faith. Last week, we look at love. You know, we look at love as, you know, what powers our faith. And we said faith, our faith must be powered by the love of God. All right, if our faith is powered by, you know, environment or things going on in our life, it will fail at some point. There's something that is constant. There's something that doesn't change. It is the love of God for me. God loves me even when I didn't know him. Even when I was an enemy, he loved me, right? Now he loves me. When I fail, he loves me. When I fall, he loves me. He loves me. So God's love is constant. So even when I'm weak, his love is still there. So love become, must become the primary driver of my faith. Praise the name of Jesus. Today I'm going to wrap up uh, by just really talking about uh, something that I believe is important. And I title today's topic, Faith Begins and ends with Christ. All right? Faith begins and ends. You can say God, Christ, same thing. Hallelujah. All right, so because really, because the reason why I'm doing this is obviously to steer our heart to the true meaning of faith from the Scripture. That's why I'm doing this. I, 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 want, I want us to be protected from the false, uh, false definition of faith that sometimes can be presented. And sometimes for good reasons, uh, people really trying to teach us about faith can give us a false impression. Uh, you know, that's really why, and I'm praying that this will really, you know, at least recalibrate our mind and we're able to truly uh, understand this subject. Amen. I'm going to read two scriptures that speak to this very well. One is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It's interesting to know that Hebrews 12 follows Hebrews 11, right? Hebrews 11 is the account of faith, is the chapter of faith. And right after that is Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, and, he, you know, I will read from verse 1 and 2. He says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So he's really talking about witnesses that we've talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, we've looked at the life of Abraham, Sarah, Gideon, you know, all these great men who did, you know, amazing things through faith. We've looked at them, so they become witnesses. You know, they were also like us. They were weak. They made mistakes. You know, they had their own challenges, troubles, but there's something constant to all of them. They were people of faith. And he's saying we have, you know, we are surrounded by this so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight, all right? You know, things that weigh us down, things that try to stop us. Let's lay them aside. And the sin which so easily ensnares, 
All right, they, you know, let's lay them aside. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We should be encouraged. We should look at the life of these people and be inspired and put away every weight. I want you to talk to your neighbor and say, put away every weight. All right? Sometimes we carry weights that don't belong to us. You know, we carry a lot of burdens that don't belong to us. We carry a lot of weight. So lay aside weight. And he said, lay aside the sin which easily ensnares us. All right? They are seeing that, you know, every one of us have that sin that is trying to just hold you captive. So lay them aside and run with endurance. Endurance, rather, the race that is set before you. Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You see where I got my title from? Faith begins and ends with Jesus. Jesus is the author is the, and is the finisher. It's the beginning and faith is about Christ. Without Jesus, no faith. My faith is, it begins and ends with him. Hallelujah. Sometimes we think faith is about things. You know, faith is not about things. It's not just about your job. It's not about, you know, you know getting a wife. You know, no, no, no. Those things are, they are secondary, maybe even tertiary, right? But primary, you know, faith begins with Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. And the Bible says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's look unto him. He's, he's the ultimate, you know, uh, our ultimate mentor, our ultimate a person we can look at. Hallelujah. Jesus is that. Hallelujah. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. I also love that. In fact, I would like to uh, read it a little more. I would like to read verse 2. Hallelujah. Actually, I would like to start from verse, verse 1. Hallelujah. God is good. And I'm going to read the, I believe I'm going to try and read the New Living Translation. You can display that. I think that will be awesome. New Living Translation. All right. Colossians chapter 3. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So I'm going to read the New Living Translation. Ooh, where's my New Living Translation? When you need it, they disappear, right? They just, uh, when you need it, they, you just can't find it. They just, uh, hallelujah. Come on, New Living Translation, come in Jesus' name. It's here, amen. All right, now it's here, amen. All right, so I'm going to try and read it. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sight on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. You see the correlation between that and, um, and, uh, and the Hebrews 12? The Christ sits at the right hand of God, God's right hand. Verse 2 says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. 
and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So he said, we died to this life. To die to something, I'm sure you've all used that slam before. You, you are dead to me, right? How many of us have used that before? <laughs> that means I lived like you don't exist. Even people who say that, it's never really true, <laughs> right? People say that, but they, they still, you know, they're, still, they're still mad, they're still. <laughs> but he's saying we should be dead to this life, the pressures of this life, right? To challenges of this life. You know, we should now really be alive to heavenly things. See, heavenly things are, heavenly realities are amazing. They are powerful. That means they, they, defy, they defy earthly things. They are greater. You know, God, you know, in the heavenlies, things happen that, you know, that's where miracles come from, right? That's where supernatural come from. Supernatural defy the natural. You see, if a believer is so alive to the realities of heavenly things, you see, it insulates you from a lot of pressures of this life. It insulates you. You know, I'll give you an example. If I'm, if I, if I'm so alive to the fact that God is my supply, right? God is the one that, that, that provides for my needs. God is my, you know, I think like Hebrews say, you, he will never leave me nor forsake me, right? So that I will boldly say, the Lord is with me. What shall any man do for me? When I, if I continue to meditate on that, then all of a sudden, I realize that I'm not as disappointed by people anymore. Let's say somebody promises they're going to give me money. Somebody says we're going to give me $1,000 or something. And, you know, and I'm banking on that. I'm, I'm really believing that I, you know, and the day came and you called them and they didn't pick up. You know, you text, you know, and, uh, you know, after a while, they kind of say, oh, I'm so sorry. Then they, they begin to give stories, you know, and you're so disappointed. Uh, you've been banking on this, and you're so disappointed. Now, at that point, you have a choice. You have a choice to be so alive to the reality of that person disappointing you, right? And you are mad. You are unhappy. You know, you curse them in your heart, even if you're not able to say it verbally because you're a believer, right? You know, you, you, you call your friends and you say, I'm, you, I'm so disappointed in so-so-so and so. They disappointed me. And you're saying, I'm done. I'm finished. My, you know, you say all these crazy words and you are so sad. You couldn't go out that day. You know, you are just down. You know, or you could say, you know, wait a minute. Really, the only person that really supplies my needs is God. Now, so maybe God chose not to use this person anymore. All right? Hallelujah. So maybe he chose not to use this person anymore. Or this person refused to cooperate with God. <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's their loss. Right? They refused to, be, to cooperate with God. God is prompting them to be a blessing. And they chose not to be a blessing. Now, God can definitely use somebody else. God can definitely use somebody else. So you will spare ourselves a lot of trouble when, the, you know, when, we, you know, when we become more alive. The more alive we are 
to the realities of heaven. And how does that happen? It, it, it happens in the place of meditation. Hallelujah. I want you to look at verse 2. It says, think about the things of heaven. He's not saying things about death. You know, when we, when we hear things of heaven, we think maybe he's saying we should be thinking about angels and, you know, you know not necessarily. You know, he's saying think about heavenly realities, not things on earth, because you died to this life. You see, you've, you, you are no longer supposed to be controlled by this life. You see, we are not controlled by this life. You know, but he's saying you have to think about, you see, you have to really be so conscious about thinking about those things. You know, you think about, and that's really where the word of God comes in. You see, the word of God is really, is explaining the reality of heaven to us. See, the word of God inspired, that's why when you get into the word of God, you there's just something about the word that just makes you feel like, makes you feel invincible because it is real, because it's, it's, it's describing the, the reality of our life, the reality of the new birth, the possibility, you know, the, what is possible for you as a child of God. You see, you know, when you read about the love of God, it's just crazy, it's insane. It's very hard to even understand. But that's only the word of God, you know, gives you that when you read it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So that's why, you know, I, you know now it concludes in verse 3 that your life, hallelujah, you died to this life and your real life is eating with Christ in God. I want you to say that my real life is hidden with Christ in God. So, so faith, you know, is, it, is, it begins and ends with Christ. My life is eating with Christ and is in God. I mean, it's, that's, that is, that's powerful. That my life is in Christ and Christ is in God. You know, for the enemy to get me, he has to get God, right? Get Christ then get me. I'm so deep. I'm hidden so deep. That's our life, and that's what we need to think about. That's what we need to focus on. You see, when you focus on that, you, people can, that's why the Bible says, a spiritual man cannot be discerned by others. You see, it's, I mean, people can figure it out. People can figure out the source of your faith, your confidence, why you are so joyous, why you just really see things differently. You see, true believers, we see things differently because we see things from the realities of heaven. We don't see things like, I mean, like other people. Look at when Christ, think about when Christ was on earth. And so people who had a revelation of Christ, they saw him differently. Jesus even asked his disciples, who do people say I am? So Jesus was aware that a lot of people have an opinion about him. So Jesus told his disciples, who do people say I am? He said, well, some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're just a prophet. Some people said you are this. Some people say you are that. And Jesus said, okay, that's fine. Okay, you, you've been with me now for a few years. Who do you say I am? 
they thought it was a trick question. So, of course, when you are with Jesus, it's hard to answer these questions because just when you think you are smart, Jesus makes you look like a foolish person. So, so and none of them, you know, only the sanguine Peter. Peter is so, he would just open his mouth, he would speak, you know, I don't care. He says it. And sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong, right? You know, and Peter just said, you know, you are the Christ. You know, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, yeah, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. Now, the point is, the Bible later said, even people, some people knew Jesus after the flesh. Some people, the only thing they could see about Jesus was his humanity. And they would say, is he not the son of Joseph? Is he not the carpenter? Is he not that boy, you know, that was, you know, that was just running around, you know, a few years ago? Now he's calling himself what? Messiah? He's, he's running around calling himself uh, the son of God. And he, he has some, some 12 guys that, that follow him like what? And they are calling themselves what? That was the most some people can see. But some people saw him as son of David. And you know, some people saw him as the Messiah. And you know, people got what they saw. You know, people who saw Jesus as the Messiah, as someone that can solve their problem, what did Jesus do? He responded the same way they saw Jesus. So it's very important for us to really, really you know, see things from the heavenly perspective. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. So I'm going to just summarize what we've been talking about. And I have a few points here that will help you. Some of these things I've talked about, uh, but I will just uh, go through them again. Number one, faith is not about one thing. It is about your whole life. See, faith is not about one thing. Some, when people hinge their faith on one thing, they set themselves up to be disappointed. In fact, they set themselves up to be, for their faith to be shipwrecked. And that's what the enemy is looking for. When you, so you have to really understand expand your definition and understanding of faith. That I see, faith is about my whole life. I walk by faith. You see, when, you know, so that faith will propel you to really just please God. Because you know that, you know, it's about my whole entire life. And my life is in the hand of God. All right? My whole life. My whole life is in the hand of God. Now, even if I have challenges in certain areas of your life, like we all, we do, we all have. So I don't define myself by that. And I don't define my faith by that. I don't hinge my faith on that. Because I know my faith is not about one thing, it's about my entire life. And my entire life is in the hand of God. Hallelujah. So I am able to continue to walk in faith even when I have some disappointment in different aspects of my life. Because God is so, 
you know, his wisdom is so great. He's omniscient. That means he knows all things. He's omnipotent. That means he has all the power. And his ways are not our ways. His ways are far higher. So we would have, there will be always be some things that you can't understand. There will always be something that will look so, wow, why is, all, why is this happening to me? I prayed, I fasted, and I really felt, you know, this, this was going to be it. You know, but really, your entire life does not hinge on, on, on one thing. Your life is hinged on God. Praise the name of Jesus. So you must, you know, if you forget anything, just remember that. You know, faith is not just about one thing. I've said it over. It's not about one job. It's not about one man, one woman. It's not about one house. You know, some people will bid on a house. They didn't get a house. Then their life will fall apart. I mean, they've been dreaming since they saw that house. They said, this is it. They dreamt. I mean, it doesn't work out and they just go into depression. I mean, your life is bigger than that. You know, your life is bigger than, you know, I fail one exam. Wow. How many exams? I mean, it's things like that. They can trip people up because all of a sudden they boil their entire life into one thing. Your, Your entire life is not about one thing. Praise the name of Jesus. So just know that. Let's go to number two, the two point. God always defines the desired outcome of our faith. You see, faith begins with the will of God. You know, faith begins with the will of God. I mean, when we read at Hebrews chapter 11, we've read this before, verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Some of them, actually many of them, did not, or most of them, did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. So sometimes, some of us, our life is the complete fulfillment of our life is even beyond us. Did you get what I'm talking about? It is beyond us. I mean, some of these people we read about, Abraham, all these people, I mean, I mean, they did not even see the promise. We are the product, we are products of the promise of Abraham. And Abraham is not even here to see it. So, so God does not fail. Did you get that? So the, the desired outcome of our faith you know, it's defined by God. So don't try to define the desired outcome of your faith. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe I desire to have, you know, four children, and I only have one. So I just think, oh, yeah, my, you know, my, you know, nothing happened. You know, maybe, you know, I'm just not happy. No, don't, don't, don't let your happiness, def- you know, do you know what God can do with that one child? And I, I mean, there have, been, there have been stories. Let's say God even say, maybe, you know, this is the only one. You, but because I want you to put the best into this person, 
you know, to be able to do great things. So there are things in our life that we, you know, we, we just have to trust God that ultimately, right, the, he, 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 the desired outcome is owned by God. He is defined by him. Praise the name of Jesus. Maybe you want to be, your dream is to be a medical doctor. It just never happened. Some people live their life just unhappy for the rest of their life. Each time they see someone that is a medical doctor, they are down, they are depressed. They say, that's what I'm supposed to be. I mean, you are 50 years old now. You you're say, oh, no, I mean, somehow you just, it, it, I mean, that's, that was your wish. I mean, and people do that. Sometimes they, they don't even enjoy the life they've been given, which might be a better life. And oftentimes it's actually better because God, God has a better plan for everybody. So, so you have to really, I mean, this is, this is a way of thinking. I mean, they look simple, but because we are so complex as human beings, sometimes we are betrayed by our feelings. And unless we are willing to really take charge of our feelings, many people are not willing to take charge of their emotions, their feelings, because they run wild. They betray us. They push us in different directions. They rob us of enjoying life or making the best of our life. You know, so you just say, you know, I'm not enjoying life. Yes, you're enjoying life. You're, you know, make the best of what God has given to you. Some people can't even make the best of what God has given because they are always wishing he's somebody else. They wish they were married to somebody else. They wish their kids is, somebody's child is their child. They, I mean, they wish this, I mean, and that's how some people run their life. I mean, so they are internally at war all the time. How can you even enjoy? Imagine you go to a restaurant, you order food, you look at the food, the food is in front of you, and you're looking around and looking at other people's meals. I say, oh, they're... You're like, oh, I wish I ordered that. And you look this, oh, this other one look good. You can't even enjoy the one you bought. You don't even know how they taste. The other people might even be saying, wow, this doesn't really taste good. People do this all the time. They look at somebody's marriage, they think it's better. They look at somebody's husband, they say, why can't, why can't you be like that? They look at somebody's wife, why can't you be like that? Wow. You, you don't even, you have no idea what they are going through. They will probably gladly exchange their spouse if it were possible. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what that does is it prevents us from enjoying what God has given to us. It prevents us. I mean, that's why Paul at some point says, just enjoy the state that God has given to you. So if you are single, enjoy being single. If you are married, don't wish like you are not married. Just enjoy being married. I mean, I mean, you just, there's some, life is so short. Life is so beautiful when you just take what is given to you and make the best of it and choose to enjoy it, choose to be excited. Stop wishing that you are like, something else is given to you. No, the best has been given to you. Praise the name of Jesus. 
There are two things we should not worry about. Things we cannot change. Don't worry about it. Just. The second thing is things you can change. Just change it. All right? If it's something you can change, just change it and move on. If it's something you can't change, accept it and move on. Praise the name of Jesus and make the best of it. Hallelujah. Let's look at number three points. You see, God's plan is not thwarted by negative circumstances, human wickedness, and accident of life. See, God's plan cannot be thwarted by that. That's because God is so big. God is so huge. God, God trumps all these things. God trumps even our mistakes. I mean, people make mistakes in their life and they just, they go 30 years, 10 years, 20. I mean, they keep saying, you know what, if not because I made mistakes, if not because I married the wrong person. You know, I think, you know, 10 years, they're still saying it. 20 years, they're still saying it. I mean, so you don't think God's plan for you is more than your mistake? I mean, if Abraham's mistake did not thwart God's plan for him, Abraham made the worst mistake. I mean, just imagine your pastor impregnate another person. I mean, sometimes you got to bring some of these stories to life. You're like, wow. I mean... 70% of you, you'll be, you'll, you'll be gone. I mean, you would just be gone. I mean, and that's Abraham, the father of our faith. He made a mistake that is a terminal mistake, I'm sure, to many people around him. It's terminal. It's something that should not, that should destroy everything. But God chose not to allow that to thwart his plan for Abraham. You have to believe that you are bigger than Abraham, that your own mistake is so big that God cannot overcome it. I mean, you have to, I mean, in some way, that's arrogance. In some ways, that's arrogance. So, so sometimes people think my mistakes or accident of life or other people. You know, some people think other people can thwart God's plan for their life. Yo, God has a plan that I should do this, you know, and, you know, and somebody is blocking me, you know. Some people is, you know, you know, pastor is blocking me. Nobody can block you. Nobody can block you. Nobody. No, no, no single person. The only person that can block it is you. You can block it. By allowing other people to block it and allowing your mind to block it. So God's plan is not, it's a negative. There are people who have gone through negative circumstances and they happen. You know, life comes with all kinds of negative circumstances. You know, unfortunate incidences have happened in life. You know, people lose things, lose loved ones, you know. People lose jobs, people lose houses, people, you know, people, things happen, negative circumstances happen in life. But the reason why we are children of God is because we have a God that is bigger than those circumstances. So your life is not finished because somebody 
chose not. Your, no, 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 no. God's plan. So God is bigger than any disappointment Amen. that you've had. Hallelujah. Amen. And you can recover. Amen. I want you to say, I can recover. And I will recover. Hallelujah. We can recover. Because, you see, God's plan is bigger. Hallelujah. Number four. Faith is understanding that God can win with anything. We were singing earlier. You know, he said, he break prison walls. With songs of praise. That's awesome, right? So God can choose to break prison walls with songs of praise. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm going to read a scripture. There's a scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. This is Jonathan. Jonathan, this is a, this is a war between Israelite and Philistine. Jonathan is Saul's son who was part of the army. And he, he was, you know, this was like a guerrilla warfare. You know, don't forget, they fight in this huge forest. You know, you have your camp, we have our pan, and everybody's trying to take advantage of each other. So Jonathan had a few young men with me, with him, and they were really plotting to take, to take out the Philistine. He made something really profound in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. The Bible said, then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor. So he was like a general, he had an armor bearer. He said, come, let us go over to the garrison of this uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Wow. I want you to say, nothing restrains the Lord. Hallelujah. Nothing restrains the Lord. Nothing stops God from saving by many or by few. He's saying because the God we serve, even though we are few, there's nothing that stops God from giving us the victory by few people or by many people. So that means God can win anyhow. Hallelujah. Gideon had 32,000 people. God said that was too much. And I think it was withered to like 20,000 or 10,000. God said that was too much. And it was withered to 300 people. And God said, yes, I have an army. You know, I love Old Testament stories because they, they give us graphic understanding of God. They give us stories that back up what God is telling us about himself. In Judges chapter 15, uh, uh, Samson, Samson, they thought they got something, they held him, and, you know, he was, he was held by the Philistines, and the Bible says the, anoint, the anointing of God came upon him, you know, and everything they were using to hold him just fell apart. And the Bible says he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. I mean, now he couldn't find any. He needed to fight. I mean, so he needed to fight. He looked around, no sword, no nothing. I mean, he looked around, he, he saw a donkey that was being killed, and the jawbone was here, and he took the jawbone, 
and he killed a thousand people. A thousand people with sword. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And he said, with a donkey jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone and the place was called Ramah Lehi. So these stories tell us that God can win with anything. That God can win with anything. So God, God doesn't need, you know, your multiple degrees. Even though they are not bad, right? God can win with none. God can, so don't count anything out. Did you get what I'm talking about? Go, don't count anything. Many people don't start because they think they don't have what it takes. It's many people don't step out. Many people don't give because they think this is too small. No, God can win with anything. Praise the name of Jesus. Let's do one more and we can close. Number five. Faith differentiates between the source and the means. God is the source. I wanted to say God is my source. Hallelujah. Even though God chooses to use different means, he uses people. Means are people, right? You know that, right? Means are jobs. Means are businesses. Means are, you know, anything can be very cool. You know, if somebody comes to you to say, Without me, you can be nothing. That's not true. That's a definition of arrogance, right? I'm sure you know people who say that. That without me, you're not, you know, I can determine your life. It's like, it's like Jesus before uh, Pilate. Jesus before Pilate. Pilate asked Jesus a question. Jesus didn't answer. He said, don't you know that your life depends on me? Just imagine how Jesus was thinking. <laughs> like this. Look at this guy. <laughs> this guy, look at this guy. He thinks my life depends on him. I mean, what a gross miscalculation. Egregious one for that matter. So, so, but it should also apply to you that anybody around you is a vehicle. They are not the source. Hallelujah. And if you if you're able to distinguish that in your mind, your faith will, will, will be strong. Your faith will be strong because you are able to distinguish between the source and the means. So don't put your faith in the means. Right? Don't put your faith in the vessels. Put your faith in God. Don't put your faith in people. Don't put your faith in your job. Don't put your faith in your bank account. Don't put your faith in your money. You know, they disappear. But put your faith in God. When your faith is in God, see, it, it protects that faith. Your faith is protected. Even when the enemy strikes you down, you are able to stand because your mind focuses on heavenly things, right? 
your mind focuses on the word, your, your mind focuses on, you know, what the scripture says, the promises of God, your mind focuses on that. So you don't live your life in depression. You don't live your life, you know, being just exposed to every lie and attack of the enemy. Can we lift up our hands? And just, let's receive encouragement from the Lord this morning. I believe many people here just need encouragement from the Lord. So, Father, I pray that the spirit of faith will rise up in this place. I pray for people who have had their faith damaged, especially by life circumstances, by negative circumstances by disappointment, by personal mistakes that they've made in the past, and they just feel, they feel deflated, they feel that their faith has been, you know, have been damaged. Father, I'm praying in the name of Jesus, there will be a restoration of their faith. I'm praying, Holy Spirit, you will restore their faith. You will restore their faith. You will restore their faith. You restore the faith of Peter. You know, you restore his faith. You restore him back. You restore his standing. Even after he abandoned you, denied you, walked away. But you brought him back and you still made him the head of your disciple. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for a restoration of people's faith today. That they will be able to rise up again. They will be able to trust you again. They will be able to stand up again. They will be able to do great things again. They will be able to see with a fresh perspective, with an heavenly perspective, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you glory, honor, and adoration. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Can we put our hands together and give him glory, give him praise.